Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of Church and State. We are, uh, we're looking at a couple of things today. We, we're, uh, uh, my wife and I, Jessica Dela Cruz, are looking at first what has been a bad week for Governor McKee, um, really rough week, and uh, also his, uh, his plans to vaccinate children, which will uh, we'll unpack what his, um, what his press conference said and what it didn't say and maybe where it could lead. Um, but Jessica, walk us through the uh, the bad week for the governor here. Um, I was even listening to his press conference, and I couldn't help but notice just as his tone, his body language, all seemed to say he was exhausted or maybe he looked defeated. You can't read his mind, of course, but anyone that was watching that, uh, I would imagine. You know, I'm not alone in in what I'm sensing. Did you see it or did you feel it? Yeah, even his speech was kind of like lethargic, like it was very slow. And there's an article I just read this morning, forgot which reporter, but he's talking about how McKee has, uh, he's become very, um, I guess, sensitive mm-hmm. about what, uh, what's come to light, especially like the ILO contract that we'll talk a little bit about and some other issues, some scandals. You, you said know. he's sensitive? He's I mean, a sensitive guy? Well, it seems like he's being very sensitive. I see. It, it, he likened it to a coach where, you know, a coach doesn't take excuses you know this you have to rise above but um i guess the administration is kind of looking like making accusations that the media is against him and the legislature is against him and you know he's being beat up and it's like uh that's that's not what's happening here okay it's called accountability well well, let's uh talk about the the bad week uh what happened this week that's uh, given him such a rough time well um senate oversight and house oversight the not this week but last week we're investigating a five million dollar deal to this ILO group. Mm-hmm. Just think of it as you know, ILO is their name. Okay. Okay. And what's interesting is this company has zero experience as a company. Now, granted, the people in the organization have experience. Okay. But this, the company itself is brand new. Yes, baby, brand new, like okay. fresh out of the oven. Wow! You know? Wow! Babies come out of the oven. <laughs> um. Well, okay, you know, anyways, I all right, moving point, right though. along. Um, <laughs> We're not going to talk about where babies come from in case you're worried. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah, not today's episode. Um, so yeah, anyways, the the more experienced companies that bidded for this uh, contract, 20 plus years, one of them, uh, and this one, which was two, year, two days in the making, um, you know, the ink wasn't even just dry on their their papers to wow to start up their company you said two days yeah two days wow um so yeah so it was an overnight thing there was uh they're more expensive the Mm -hmm. ilo group than the other uh consulting groups this one went over five million and the other groups bid at a million wow and there was no input from the public there was no input from the legislature and so it was just like a rushed deal. And was this something decided, you know, by low level staffers, or was this something that higher administrative officials like the governor or no, it would be the governor. The governor is knows these individuals very well and they've worked with him in the past. So it, it really reeks of cronyism. Like mm. I know you, you're you know, your friend, we've worked together. I'm Good gonna old boy. I'm gonna I'm gonna grant you a contract that's 
you know, $4 million more than the other guy. And wow. we, wow. even though you were just incorporated and the other guys have been around for 20 years, it doesn't look good. So you guys were investigating it. You, uh, you said in committee, you know, my mom taught me that whenever there's smoke, there's usually fire. And there's a lot of smoke. And there's a lot of smoke here. So you're very yeah. suspicious that some, that this was not handled um, properly. Not just me, but the entire committee. Okay. They had a lot of questions. I loved with what one of the senators said, which I'll definitely be using in the future. Yeah. He said, you didn't just move the goalposts, you moved the stadium. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great quote. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Um, well, what's next then? Um, you guys did your part as the Senate. You uh, asked the right questions. Uh, is You're this asking a great question. You're, you should be a reporter. <laughs> what's the next step? So the state police and uh, the attorney general are investigating. Ouch. Okay. So, uh, so now the governor is not taking any questions because it's under investigation. Now it's a legal matter. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. All right, so there's the five million dollar deal, and that's been happening the last couple of weeks. It's come to come to light. Well, longer than that, probably three or four weeks. It's kind of been out there, mm -hmm. but you guys were able to finally get your investigation started. But that just prompted even more investigations, yeah. state police, and uh, and the attorney general. Wow, mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Um, and then um, I uh, there's uh, a lot of people already talking about running for governor. Um, so many Seth people. Magaziner, who yeah. else we got? Nelia Gorbea. Um, we should use their titles, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Seth Magaziner is the uh, treasurer for the state. Um, and we have Nelia Gorbea, who is the um, Secretary, Secretary of State. state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have um, Matt Brown, Soon, who is a progressive. I don't know. We'll is just that call unkind? him a progressive. We'll just Progress call him a progressive. That's a badge of honor for them. They love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's three. And then, there, there's going to be others, but we have a new one, a yeah. new person in the field, and that's um, uh, Helena Folks. Yeah. What do you know about her? I didn't know anything about her, but when I saw her, I immediately said, oh, Gina 2.0. <laughs> Come to find out, she's Gina's buddy, Yeah. and she's a corporate, we'll call her corporate. Okay. Um, and We're not going to be unkind here. No, 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 no. Okay. But she is definitely Gina 2.0. Right. Okay. Know? Yeah, I mean, she's she's got that corporate thing. Yeah. Uh, she was an executive at CVS. Um, she's kind of been political, maybe not like uh, and uh, having business publicly. experience is not a bad thing. I no. mean, I think it's great. It's not a, a yeah. Not a I think it's a that. it's a great skill set yeah. uh, when you can operate in a giant organization like CVS if you can lead it effectively. Um, I asked a couple of people that I know uh, who work at CVS. Hey, what do you know about her? Um, oh, you're making eyes. <laughs> Well, I, I know because I, I haven't talked to you about it. and oh, um, This is brand new information, guys. Yeah. Well, they uh, they just, you know, they, they spill the beans, David. What did they I, say? They, they, Thank you. they didn't love her. They didn't okay. have anything great to say. They weren't right. excited to see that she was running. I'll just say that. So they wouldn't be excited to see her maybe leading the state? Safe to say? Well, I it, I don't think, you know, their two cents is going to matter because she's got plenty of money and a lot of times to run for these kind of offices, money this is, is true. Yeah. money is power, money is influence. She's got I think she made is what it, 30 million or something yeah. like that as a as as an executive at uh, at CVS. So she's doing pretty well and she could probably self-fund this thing. Mm -hmm. And she's been so generous with her money. She's been giving it out to all kinds of people. Nice to see that she was bipartisan and even gave it to some Republicans like Mitch McConnell. If she wants to donate to my campaign, you can go to jessica4ri.com forward slash donate. 
and uh, Mac's contribution is a thousand. Yeah, I, I don't think she'll be <clears throat> making any uh, contributions because oh, that's too bad. She was uh, she kind of got dinged for that, right? Like within twenty four hours, people were yeah. doing their deep dive into her campaign contributions yeah. and called her out for giving to Republicans, which I'm sure she realized they were going to do. And let's, I got to give her a little credit there, spreading the wealth, mm -hmm. you know. Even if it is Mitch McConnell and people, you know, don't like him, you know, in this state, a lot of people don't like him. But, um, you know, we spread the wealth. And if you think somebody's a good candidate and they deserve, um, you know, some support. But I think it was also reported that she donated to McKee's Republican opponent. So she definitely has has funded was that for the uh lieutenant governor's lieutenant race, governor's race okay yeah. because uh right right yeah. okay so uh she's not just giving you're saying not just uh nationally but she's given right here to some of our uh yeah that's what i heard leaders so, in the state yeah and there's nothing wrong with that because you know I, I joke around a little bit here but um like like i said i have democrats in my family they're good people i mm -hmm. don't hate them they right. don't hate me yeah you know so um i don't fault her for giving money to republicans okay how generous. I know. Because you're hoping she'll be generous. No, I, I I can say with absolute certainty I won't be receiving anything from <laughs> Nothing Helena from the Folk. folks campaign? No, I don't. As a, no. as a olive branch to the Republicans in the state? I would faint. I would fall over. and. Yeah, because I think they're more concerned with their left. I mean, they're, they're, they're more concerned with losing to um, uh, to a, uh, a, a, a progressive. And um, they know that they're the ones that are going to turn out in a primary vote. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so that was bad news for Mickey. How? Well, there's so many candidates in the race. It, it kind of speaks to, I mean, maybe the lack of respect for him mm -hmm. that they think that this is the, their opportunity to become governor because for whatever reason, they don't think that he's a strong leader. So right. I think it's more of a slight on, on the governor okay. than anything. All right, so that's the uh, that's news on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, still pretty quiet. I think there's only been one name out there, and he was uh, um, he was a also a businessman, a businessman administration. Yeah, um, or he was in the Kachiri administration, I think. But his name escapes me at the moment. Honestly, I can't okay. remember his name. That's all right. That's well, not that's, a, that's, that's not a good not a, sign. Not a good sign. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Okay, <laughs> um, but other than that, we haven't heard much from uh, anyone else announcing. So we'll see. We'll. Stay tuned. There's Hopefully still we'll, time. There's yeah. still time. Hopefully yeah. we'll have an episode where we can just talk about who's running for governor. People keep asking you to run. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> you don't you don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Uh, well, right. it's there to say. I'm you know, I I'm flattered that people would want me to to be governor, but I think I'm doing something really important right now. And I I think that this situation with um religious rights being curtailed and having very few voices mm -hmm. that, you know, if this is where I'm to lead right now, okay, then this is where I am to lead right now. But, um, you know, maybe in the future, I don't know, but okay. I, um, I would, I can't commit to something like that. Right. Well, let's talk about the, uh, religious exemptions being denied. That's really part of this whole mandate, uh, yes. the vaccine mandate that went out. Of course, we saw, uh, thousands of healthcare workers lose their jobs, um, overnight, you know, and, and even prior to the October 1st deadline, very disheartening, very sad to see what happened to them. Um, I'm angry over it as are a lot of other people. I know you are as well. Yeah. Uh, not a good thing for our state. Uh, highly skilled workers now are suddenly out of work. Um, 
but now the governor's kind of shifted his attention to broaden, you know, the population of people that can be vaccinated. And they noticed that there's 80,000 uh, children who have not uh, been vaccinated yet. And um, uh, Governor McKee this week on Thursday uh, announced at the Providence Children's Museum with the uh, um, uh, the executive director there mm -hmm. and Lieutenant Governor uh, Matos and who else was there? Alexander Scott. Yeah, Dr. Alexander Scott. And they announced that they're going to be uh, uh, opening up vaccinations for children ages 5 to 11 years old. Um, just to give you some context, Rhode Island has already given out 1.5 million doses. Um, 726,000 people in our state have already been fully vaccinated. Um, and uh, in all of this, the governor also mentioned that he's decommissioning the Cranston Field Hospital. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, decommissioning this this field hospital? It was ridiculous to commission it in the first place because the numbers weren't there to justify even erecting one. Mm -hmm. And as far as I remember, um, there weren't any field hospitals that were utilized during the entire pandemic of the past 19 months. So a colossal waste of time and money. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how much it, it costs. That's another Senate oversight hearing. Um, I mean, in fairness, in the beginning of this thing, I think there's fog of war. So you have to give them some credit oh, yeah. for trying, yeah. you know, you're seeing the news reports coming out of China and right. you're, you're hearing about, you know, the, the, the rapid spread and, um, the hospitals being overrun. So I don't fault them that for that, but the fact that it's still open or still running exactly. 19 months later, I think that's when, you know, we should have had a, once the vaccine started rolling out at least, which would have been a year ago, mm -hmm. there should have been a, um, a, a moment of kind of reevaluating whether or not it should still be open. And yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, well, the, um, the governor announced that this, uh, uh, approach is going to be four pronged or several prongs to it. Um, it's not mandated. He made that clear right now. He has no intention right. of mandating it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the vaccine for adults. And we saw where that, right. Uh, people that losing their to. jobs, their homes, and some of them moving out of state mm -hmm. because they so, wouldn't get the, the vaccine because it was optional until it wasn't. Right. So it's optional now. You sound skeptical that this is going Do to stay. <laughs> you sound skeptical that he's going to respect parental choice here. He hasn't respected bodily autonomy. He hasn't respected religious rights and, and conscience. So do I think that he'll respect the authority of a parent to make mm. the best decision for their family? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, um, he announced that he's going to be partnering with uh, clinics, uh, especially those state-run clinics, um, schools, all the public schools, um, municipalities, um, and other uh, pediatricians. That's smart. Yeah. Um, the hope is that every municipality will have at least two vaccine clinics devoted to child um, vaccinations. So we'll see what that means. Um, I haven't heard anything yet, but of course, this is you know, brand new news. Um, do you uh, do you think this is something that's warranted right now? Are you uh, against vaccinating kids? I'm not against vaccinations at all. Um, you know, we we have vaccines for multiple diseases, and they save lives. Um, but I, I am against mandating them. Mm -hmm. 
for obvious reasons, the ones that I've stated time and time again, again, uh, there are individuals who can't take the vaccine for whatever reason, medically or for matters of conscience. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've always had those, even for um, diseases like smallpox, diphtheria, um, persistence, well, well, all those childhood vaccines, right? right? Yep. So this one shouldn't be any different. And the fact that um, we haven't had any child deaths in Rhode Island, mm -hmm. that children fare very well, thank God, um, if they do catch COVID, unlike the older population. So right. again, it should be up to parents. Um, it always should be up to the parent. Unless, of course, I mean, there's always the exception that there's an unfit parent, right? Like mm -hmm. they're they're abusing their child or something like that. But we're talking about the majority of Rhode Islanders, right? They should have the absolute last say, the decision right. to make for their family. You're making the argument that just because a parent doesn't vaccinate their child should not qualify them as a unfit parent. There has to be something else they're doing, right? Like uh, you know, starving them, beating them, abusing them, emotionally right. neglecting mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Um, but uh, choosing not to vaccinate their child, you um, you you still uh, respect that position. That should be yeah a parental's uh, or th th that should be up to the parents to to decide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I don't think you're alone in that. I I'm, it, it feels like there is growing um, concern over vaccinating. Um, children especially when you consider that um it's 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 not a disease that really uh discriminates against children it discriminate discriminates against the elderly and uh, the obese primarily and of course there are other comorbidities, yeah, comorbidities yeah. um in fact there was a dr beth lang who was at the press conference she spoke on behalf of pediatricians. And uh, she said that since March of 2020, there have been 20,000 children who've been infected by COVID, which is almost 17% of all Rhode Island infections. Now that sounds like a giant number, um, 20,000 children. And it is, you don't wanna see 20,000 kids get infected by COVID. But um, I think what that statement is lacking is some context. So. I've been more and more looking not just at infections, but at hospitalizations. Mm -hmm. So how many of those 20,000 were hospitalized? She didn't share that information. How many of those 20,000 actually died? Again, she didn't share that information. We know in Rhode Island, the number is zero. Zero children have died of COVID. Um, I'm, of course, I'm sure there are others that have been uh, severely sick, but this is not a disease that really... Um, is uh, is discriminating against children. It really does seem to be something that um, is affecting the elderly and the obese and people with other comorbidities. So I would just ask why the push for vaccinating kids? And this is why I would strongly oppose any effort to mandate a vaccine against kids, not just because it should be up to the parents to choose, but I also think that this is a disease that doesn't really, you know, uh, statistically, it's, it, it's an outlier, a far distant, like almost out of the solar system outlier of whether or not it's going to affect uh, children. Yeah. And when I was um, thinking about, I was just thinking about uh, also natural immunity for these kids, you know, um, if, if you had the, the virus, then you have antibodies mm -hmm. in your system. And um, varies for individuals how long they last and 
some can last longer than others, depending on, uh, again, it's up to the individual. No, no two people are the same. So yeah, I, um, I'm with parents on this. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent myself and I don't want anyone deciding for my kids. Cause here's the thing. I have to live with that decision. The government doesn't live with that decision. The doctor doesn't live with that decision. They're not the ones that are going to be home with the kid. If they're, um, you if know, they have an adverse reaction, they have an or adverse something. reaction yeah. you know, and those are rare too. I want to be fair. Very Even the rare. adverse reactions are very, very rare. Um, but so is COVID. It's also rare. And a lot Their of parents, kids, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think they should be treated uh, as ignorant or conspiracy theorists or anti-vaxxers because they're asking questions and because they, they, um, they've considered the risk and to them, the risk is ne- negligible. I think that's a respectable opinion. I, um, and I, uh, I mean, that's one reason why I'm again, a big supporter in parental rights. Uh, they should be able to choose. What I did see when I was at a school board meeting um, several weeks ago in our uh, little town, the uh, I got to hear the principals talking and they were, um, you know, uh, very alarmed at the number of um, uh, COVID cases that were popping up in the schools. And it turned out that a lot of the kids, it seemed like they were getting them on the school buses because that's where you're having kids kind of in confined spaces, sometimes two or three in a row, uh, two to three in a seat. Um, and, and the principals, uh, at least two of them said it, we would hope that our governor would allow and would permit us to start vaccinating the kids. Um, so I know that he's getting pressure. You know, I don't think this is just something governor Dan McKee wants to do by himself. I think he's getting pressure from the DOH and I think he's probably getting pressure from principals and superintendents because we don't want kids missing days out of school. That's going to affect the testing scores. It's going to affect how many kids are in classes. So I think he's getting pressure, you know, all over the place. Sure. He's getting pressure all over the place, but you still need to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And the right thing is release the vaccine. Let individuals take it, but allow for exemptions for individuals that cannot for medical and conscientious reasons. Yeah, that sounds fair. Right? Well, um, in our um, post, we'll list the number for the governor's office. Encourage you to call and Mm. let him know where you stand on the issue. You don't have to be uh, long. You don't have to have a a lengthy conversation, really keep it short and simple. The office is open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. And uh, the quicker you are, the more people can call. And, you know, I've had a few people say to me, why even bother? Because the governor doesn't listen. Yes, it's true. He's not listening. But if we continue to call, we continue to put pressure. If we have hundreds or thousands of people call, Mm-hmm. then um, then we can effectuate, effectuate change. And freedom is not free, right? right? And this is a very um, light lift. This is not a heavy lift. It took me like, you know, the first time I called it, it took me 10 minutes. And they know who you are now. The, yeah, they, yeah, I've <laughs> called a few times. So um, the number is 401-222-2080. Uh, again, the number to the governor's office, 222-2080. Now, he will not pick up the phone, just in case you're wondering, but uh, his staff will. And when I spoke to the staff, they were um, uh, they let me know that there's usually four to five. When I happened to call, I was waiting 10 minutes because there was only one guy, and I happened to call at like 420. I was procrastinating, put it off to the end of the day. But if you call earlier in the day, you'll, you're very likely to reach somebody. Again, the number, 222 2080 make it quick be uh, be clear 
that you stand against any form of mandates against uh, related to these uh, um, vaccines, but also let them know while you've got them on the phone that you're opposed to the state of emergency that makes it happen. Is yes. that a good point? Good point. All Excellent. right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks for sticking, uh, uh, hanging out with us for an episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. We'll see you in the next episode. Bless you. Bye-bye. Today's closing quote comes from the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 